Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. No. Hi everybody. It's, yes. it's great to be back. And welcome to another podcast and in every episode we try to bring you resources, tools, strategies, tips and techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. And instead of going on to the usual preamble today, we're just going to go straight into welcoming our special guest, Giselle, who we've had on a couple of times before. Uh, yes. Welcome, Giselle. Hello, Phil. Hello, Sharon. How are you both? Great. Thanks, Giselle. Wonderful to have you back again. And I'm just thinking, you know, if people haven't um, heard the previous podcast with you on them, definite ones to go and, you know, chase up again too. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got… Oh. All of them are, all of them are, not just me. Well, yeah, okay, all of them, but (laughs) just to know that, you know, as a classroom teacher um, and teacher of year six, seven, um, children this or students this year and for the last few years. Yes, for a long time. Uh, Yeah, I was trying to work it out with someone. I think I'm 18 years teaching and I had only one or two, one and a half years in between my two maternity leaves um, wow. where I taught a four or five class and knit art for a while. Oh, that's but right. I have, I'm yeah. remembering this now, Giselle. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, that was a bit yeah. of out of the comfort zone, but good to have a challenge. And so, uh, but otherwise all six, either straight seven or six, seven the whole time mm. otherwise. Mm. So. Mm. so and, and just wonderful to have the perspective of a classroom teacher. And, yes. Um, because you're in the day-to-day busyness, or well, we all are, but um, <laughs> you, you're in that day-to-day busyness of um, having your ups and downs in your classroom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm yes. laughing because that was today. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were some, there were some no. highlights, yes, yeah. and we had uh, uh, not necessarily particularly with the students, but just that life of a teacher that some of it, uh, yeah, was a bit of a low point today. Well, so. there's a whole lot of pressures on teachers, aren't there, with uh, everything we've got to do besides, uh, you know. Being in front of the class. Yeah, which mm. is one of the most enjoyable part. But um, yeah, yeah, and I think that was where this came from because I'd put a lot of, uh, I had some really key lessons today. I put a lot of work into preparing those lessons to be really something and then just some other factors in influenced mm. whether those lessons actually got to go ahead or had the time that I had dedicated mm. to doing it uh, was shortened or whatever. And so I think there's more, it's that um, feeling that I had of disappointment that what I had put a lot of work into was not necessarily going to eventuate. That's yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I completely Understand that, yeah, that thinking that, yes, and, what you don't get to do, um, you know, and, and will the time 
come again for those things too. You know, sometimes yeah. it, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's what, right. What's the size of uh, your school? It's Nan Primary School. What's the s- size of it, uh, Giselle? Um, we are 17 classes, so we'll say I think that's just uh, on 500 students. Yep. Um, yeah, and at the upper primary level, which is obviously where I teach, we have four, six, seven classes this yep. year. Yep. Um, yeah. Yep. And it's a um, beautiful spot up there in the Adelaide Hills. Lovely. Yes. Yep. Yes. Lovely view from our building in particular. Oh, Look out over the paddocks and yes. Mount Summit, so it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Windy, but fantastic. <laughs> Cold in winter. It's yeah. cold, yeah, cold in summer. <laughs> cold in cold summer. This morning. I wasn't ready this morning. <laughs> uh, okay, so apart from the chatty rambles. Yes, we'll get on to <laughs> our topic today, which is picture books for older readers. And Giselle, um, what's, the, what's the struggle with... Um, or maybe the question that you're <clears throat> asking is it um, about is there a struggle with older readers and the kinds of books that we can find that can engage them. You know, sometimes our immediate thought isn't always picture books. That's it, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And it very much is about engagement. I mean, that drives a lot of what I'm thinking about in my teaching anyway. That's where the whole <laughs> bit of a disaster of today came from because I was really considering about engagement and what there's some content we really needed to get heads around um, leading into this sort of next uh, part of the term and mm. so I'd really, it could have been a very dry lesson, I'd really given it some time to making um, how I was looking at the engagement to get them involved and so that very much underpins a lot of what I'm thinking about when planning and and so uh, we've talked before about that with reading um, yeah. and motivating older readers yes, and engagement and that kind of thing and so <clears throat> even when I am looking to bring picture books in well, actually, it's probably not that way. When I'm looking at uh, a content or a um, a concept that I need to do with students, I yeah. think of picture books as a form of that engagement to do it. So yes. um, a lot of the time it's very much for me thinking, who tells it better than I will? Yes, <laughs> which, yeah. or, which author or which voice is going to bring that across in a more authentic way or um, just with their word choice is really going to hit that better than I could in front of the class. And so I'll just be the conduit by bringing in the book that does it. So mm, mm. Um, I think that's where <clears throat> the picture books for uh, – it's not necessarily that the books are written for an older reader, but how I choose to use a picture book or yes. particular books um, – with them, yes, uh, yeah, to make that. and I think that's just such a great point about you know what is it that someone you know the voice and how someone else can say that within that that tight piece of text because mm-hmm. you know the picture book is just going to bring that in, um, you know it's not reading you know the whole novel you know of on that concept or topic or it's not just listening to an interview or whatever, but, you know, that there is this um, very intentional, like someone's already been quite intentional, the writer, mm-hmm. in bringing that concept or that idea um, to the world. So, yes. yes, I couldn't agree more on the power that picture books really have for um for in, I mean, for any age group, we have asked you because you're a year six, seven teacher to think. So we're um, 
whilst you said for older readers, Phil, we're also really thinking sort of upper primary. Yes. Yeah. 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 So are there, and I think, are there students uh, that still think that uh, these are for younger children? Yes, well, it's, it's funny because that's actually where I was going to go, that in my upper primary classroom, not necessarily this year, but over time, um, there can be some real differences in how students approach picture books. Some think very strongly that it is meant to be an early reading experience. So it's the type of book that helps you learn to read and you don't read it once you can read. And then I have students who perhaps have a low level of reading skill and feel a lot of comfort in a picture book, but a a level of embarrassment of reading that in front of their peers perhaps. And so Mm. there's a real struggle there for some of those students that I love these books they suit me, but I can't see anyone else reading a book like this. Am I allowed to still be reading picture books? Mm. So uh, it's very much something that I bring in right from the start of the year. I actually have a book that I often start the year with, and that's um, The Koala Who Could, uh, Rachel Bright and Jim Field. I love the series, all of them. Mm. Um, I think the message behind them, the humour, the fact that they're written in rhyme, uh, just all of it. But a koala could, who could how it sort of become a bit of a catchphrase because it finishes with life can be great when you try something new. And so I often start the year with that book for that exact line of you're in a new class, it's a new year, what are you going to try and what are you going to aim for? And it's also about deliberately setting up that picture books are great and mm. everyone can read them and we're going to be reading them quite a lot. And so um, I try to set that message very early not necessarily knowing the students in front of me yet, that some of them are going to be dismissive and they need to kind of work through that to, hey, actually, we're going to gain something from these books. Some of them are going to need picture books and need to feel that validation that there's a space for that type of reading in this class. So, um, yeah, and that probably follows to another one that I love. It's only uh, reasonably new, the um, All the Ways to be Smart, um, Davina Bell and... Alison Colpoise, um, wonderful, wonderful book for any age person, uh, adults included, that mm. our uh, ways to be smart look different for everybody. And um, that's another start, only the last two years, another new start of year book that um, to set up the way our classroom looks and the tone that our classroom has about what it means to be a learner. And if I can do that through picture books that show it in a, um, somewhat light manner, but says the message is not just your teacher saying it. Look, people even write books about this message. That's how important it is. Mm. What yeah. a wonderful way to yeah. um, illustrate a point. Yes, yep. yeah, and connect, <laughs> connect life to, and somebody else is thinking about this too. You know that it's not our own. Um, I think that's what books certainly allow us to know that ah, others are. You know, we're not alone yes. <laughs> in these things. So, yeah. so going back a step. Um, it's we're talking about using picture books for all different purposes. Um, we, we th- or you thought it'd be great to frame it uh, within the some of the timeless teas. So yes. if we talk about, I love the teas. Yeah. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> Every time I'm at one of Sharon's workshops, I'm like, yes, I know yes. these teas. Like I, they just they really are underpinning what it what literacy learning looks like, and I just. Mm. Um, yeah, completely agree. So, yes, I was absolutely thinking, even when talking about the idea of picture books in general, the first thing that comes to my mind is tantalising text because 
there's so much to grasp in pitch books and I just love them. So even if I wasn't using them for a necessarily a purpose, just the sheer joy of another story um, is enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And actually I'm just going to um, jump in on that word joy, working with, you know, the school that I was working with today um, or workshop with them. That was, you know, the piece that really came up again is, you know, this joy. Literacy, our literacy learning, our, our experiences and what we um, experience and what we create, it, it, we want it to be full of joy. Yeah. You know, that it's, that's the engagement. It, it doesn't mean that some things we're doing aren't hard, you know, that, or challenging, but then joy comes from that too, you know, that we're working, we're learning about things, we're discovering things, we're... But, but joy should be a part of it all. So, and, that, yeah. and, that, and that makes our teaching enjoyable, um, yes. which it should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yes, it's just as much the joy of teaching. Yeah. And yes. that's, that's about our well-being as well, isn't it? Like, yeah. uh, that's another, yes. another mm. whole area. Mm. Um, one of the ones, uh, thinking about joy, that uh, a couple of years back I had a class that um, for different reasons it possibly wasn't a, a joyful kind of tone. Like we really had to work on that and build that. Mm. Mm. Um, amongst the class and that I mean there's some students who were but there were some other students who were going through things that meant joy was hard for them to to find quickly one of the books that I read that year um, was (laughs) I laugh about it now but it was Sam and Dave dig a hole Um, Mac Barnett and John Classen just love John Classen um, the master of the side eye characters through (laughs) I want a hat and uh, um, that's not my hat and those kind of books but In Sam and Dave Dig a Hole, it really sets up that um, the sort of audience versus the characters in the story because the characters go to dig, literally dig a hole. And when I read the title to, you know, Upper Primary Kids, you could see the eye rolling of, seriously, she can read us a book about a hole. <laughs> um, and I'm like, no, 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 bear with me. You'll get this. And made sure I was really clear about showing the images because that's, if you've read the book, that's something really key about the mm. opening image and the final image. Um, but through it all, the characters are digging a hole because they want to do, find something spectacular. And the, in, what they find comes, well, they don't actually find it. It comes through in the images. So as a reader or observer of the book when I was reading it aloud, the students could see it. But, of course, the characters are blindly digging and they don't because it's not in the text, it's in the imagery. And um, these students were just captivated because they had that frustration of going, oh, seriously, <laughs> dig the hole down, you'll see it. Because, you know, John Classen's drawn the spectacular thing yeah. at the bottom. But it gets all the way to the end and then there's a twist and it's quite an unfinished book. And so I read that, held it up, the students are like, what? What was that about? Hey, what about... And I'm going, Mm. no one ever knows. I said, there's whole streams online of people who have supposed endings to this book and the author and the illustrator are not telling us. There's there's just no answer. And these kids are like, what? (laughs) (laughs) How is that possible? And I'm going, that's what picture books do. And whatever their experience in the past had been or what they viewed the role of a picture book in their life Mm. before... That one book really shifted it, really, mm. really shifted it. Mm. And I had other mm. primary students who were bugging the library staff to borrow that book multiple times. It's a, you know, standard. Had, sorry. 
I was going to say it's a standard picture book, very little text really, and it's yeah. about literally two characters digging a hole. Yeah. But my goodness, because you could just read into it and that imagination of what could be going on, and it brought joy and it mm. shifted mm. how we sort of started to approach reading in general and the power of books and the power of words um, after starting with that very quite simple but not simple text. Yes, yeah. Fantastic. So, Giselle, you're going. We'll get you to talk about. You've sort of grouped the texts, um, <clears throat> or the picture books, into some category, or into the using the timeless T's as categories. And we'll just let listeners know that um, all of the um, texts that you mention will be in the show notes, so they'll be able to. Um, retrieve that list again because we're aware that there may be people driving as they listen to this <laughs> and they'll be wanting to pull over to write down that book and then that book and then that book. Yep. So if that is likely, if you are driving, just know you can check this out in the show notes. Mm. Um, otherwise, pull over. <laughs> Because yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. yes, I've been there. I know about this when yeah. I listen to the podcast and people start mentioning books. I know this experience. Yes, yes. Or maybe listen to the podcast later when you can make all the notes about it. Because <laughs> I love how um, at, when you're talking about these, you're really giving. Um, I think as you talk about the books, it really prompts how how we might want to use that book. You know, we'll see the potential in it and there'll be many of these that we'll connect with and we'll go, ah, oh, that's a definite for me, you know, to chase oh, up. Oh, I hope so. so. Yes. That's, yeah, that's a value that I have from listening to the podcast and things of going, oh, I would that fits with where I, where I need these students to go or that mm. fits with something we're covering right now. And, yes. Um, just, yeah, I hope, that, I hope that it'll be helpful for someone oh, else. <laughs> oh, Giselle, there is no question it'll be helpful. <laughs> and while you're mentioning the show notes, Sharon, I just yes. um, people have probably realised when they get the weekly newsletter mm-hmm. from Q Learning, uh, the exact list of those books or, or oh, yes. uh, resources mm, are in the newsletter as well as in the show notes so they match you know, oh, identically. I know, you do wonderful work on that, Phil. That's, a, that's quite a... Time, what's the word I'm after? It takes a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> you do wonderfully well on that. So, all that right. is excellent because I get those emails and go, oh, they're all there. Excellent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the. Oh, well, look, we were talking tant- about tantalizing text. Oh, yes. I can go with some of those that um, I read really mainly for the joy of that book, but mm. I'm not necessarily using it as a mentor text to take into something else other than just to say, I love this book. It's really great. Let's read it. Um, About that joy and about that engagement and about showing those students for a moment in time that if you are feeling like you're reading some, um, you know, potentially a fairly deep or um, intricate novel at the moment or if you're working your way through an information text because you're in a research mode with what you're doing with your study, that a picture book can still give you um, um, a moment in time of joy or an emotional connection or even prompt a thought that is just in a much quicker way than you might have had with your other reading. And so, yeah, tantalising text is exactly how I would refer to some of the picture books because all I want from them is for my students to experience it and just go, wow, 
How good was that book? Yeah. Um, in time. So I think, Sharon, we've talked before, one of my all-time favourites, all-time, first discovered at uni um, studying teaching was uh, The Mysteries of Harris Burdick. Yes. Um, oh, I love that book. Top of the list. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's just so good. And I think... It could lend itself to so many things in classroom and sometimes, some years we don't do anything with it um, other than just to read it and to mm. have that, that class discussion, that rich talk immediately after going, well, what do you think it is? Um, and so I guess for people who don't know, it's the, the idea that Harris Burdick was a, uh author or illustrator and had left um, these uh, 14 potential stories with a publisher and then never came back. And so Chris Van Allsberg has this, uh, you know, script at the start. Chris Van Allsberg's collected them into a book and here they are for you now. And so, um, oh, I think everyone, I mean, Sharon, do you have a favourite? Is there one that's one that sticks with you every time you look at this book? The fifth chair ended up oh, in France. That's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about that before, but that's my favourite too. So yes, with the, the nun, the nun flying through the abbey on a chair. Yes, on the floating chair. <laughs> yes. and it just, I love that one because if it's the fifth and yes. it says something like the seven chairs or something, there's more chairs. Yes. Where did they go? Yes. What were they doing? And who's, who's sitting, sitting on them? them? <laughs> it's an incredible book of wondering. Um, yes. A, a tiny voice asked, oh, is you, he the oh. one? Is he the one? Yes. And, and the little light coming through the window. Yes. Oh. oh, my yes. goodness. Yep. Yeah, um, Archie Smith, one of, uh, Boy Wonder. Yep. Oh, yes. One of my other favourites, Mr. Linden's Library. Yes. He had warned her about the book. Now it was too late. Yeah. And yes. then there's the image. She's asleep with the open <laughs> book and there's that plant just creeping <laughs> out of the book and you're going, oh, oh, oh my, my goodness. Yeah, I like, know. It is. Oh, I, I, I just think it's the most wondrous book. It's yes. just incredible. And I think mm. wondrous is the exact word for it yeah. because it yeah. is full. You cannot <clears throat> be anything but full of wonder yeah. in that book. Mm. That's mm. It's so intriguing. And so inspiring. It's so – there would – I don't think I've ever introduced it to a class and not had at least one person want to go away and write or, or think about it mm. and propose ideas of what could have happened or what the story belonging to that image and that caption could be. Yes. And I just think, again, something that on paper seems so simple is just so powerful in the impact it can have. And so there'll be times where I just read it for the pure joy of going, look at this book, mm. and other times that we will use it as a prompt for thinking about how we craft a, a narrative or how we develop um, intrigue in a story or something. Yes, or how we just actually grow our imaginations even more yep. than yep. than we could have ever known. You know, to have those thoughts and ideas that without that 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 and that is its tantalisingness, isn't it? Yes. You know that it it really can, yeah, just. Tantalise the imagination. And even yeah. if we do um, have tasks with these picture books, we all um, would definitely, um, with any picture book or any book really, enjoy it first, you know, just to ex explore it and yeah. enjoy it as the author wants you to enjoy yes. it. And then yeah. we, yeah. then after that, another reading or whatever, we'll start to use it in a task way. Yep. Yep. Yes, that's very, that's very true and a really good point that it, it really is about 
letting the book stand on its own and really yep. saying, look at this as a piece of art, as a mm. as a piece of literature, as 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 mm-hmm. anything. But it it really does stand alone, and I feel so passionate about it. I think we're gonna we're gonna think about this book, and we might bring some things out. And often, I'll I'll have had an idea of how I might want to follow a book, but. With a picture book in particular, I'm very open for the students to take it in another direction because if they do that, it it shows me that they engaged, that they were yes, in that yep. book and they're, yes. they're thinking about what they want to do with it. And so I, it's very rare that I will have uh, brought in a picture book with a very structured lesson to follow straight behind it because I don't think what I, what I see with students, I don't think that would be authentic for them working on it and really getting to love that book the way I wanted them to. So it's about in- I'll have yeah, I'll have ideas but I'll I'll very much have some flexibility in what I want to see them bring from it to show me that yes, they understood why why of all the books, why did I show you this one today? Yes. Now you've got some other tantalizing ones here. Um Oh, do you know After the Fall? Dance and Tant- no. I don't Oh, it's the it's the um, Humpty Dumpty story. Oh yes, it's about the yes. egg. And then when I read that to older students, they're like, "Are you seriously reading us the Humpty Dumpty story now?" Like, <laughs> hang on a minute, <laughs> what's up with this? And because he goes through the self doubt, and um, there's a lot of growth mindset sort of stuff in there that's really great to talk about. But again, I don't actually read it for that purpose. I read it for that twist at the end that comes. When, the stu- when you open the page that reveals what's going on in the Humpty Dumpty story mm-hmm. and the students go, oh, oh, wow. Like it's, the illustrations are amazing. I don't think they've ever thought about the idea that Humpty Dumpty is an egg and eggs can be things. Um, <clears throat> love it. Just okay. love it. And yeah. the fact that it has some growth mindset sort of story yeah. behind it and yeah. is just a bonus. Yes. <laughs> love yeah. it. Tantalising story. Um, but others, I think we talked um, in the podcast on vocabulary where uh, The Word Collector um, yes. by Peter Reynolds, that was such an inspiring book for me because I do love words, to then show that to students as a, we're going to be this person, we're going to be like Jerome and we're going to collect words. And so I pretty much love anything Peter Reynolds does <laughs> and yes. I'm going to bring one of his books in at some point throughout a year. Um, and... I think he just really captures, um, like sky color. That's a really beautiful one um, about that idea that a color is open, and the way you express yourself in art should be mm-hmm. open to your personal expression. And I think um, there's some really good things that can follow that for students. So, and you mm-hmm. make a good point there too that you know anything by Peter Reynolds would say the same thing about Chris Van Allsburg. Yeah, you know that these as as Lots of authors, we would say yes. that, authors and illustrators, because in this instance we're talking about authors who are illustrators as well, which is extraordinary. Yes. Um, so well, I was going to say one of the others that is like that, um, Maths Curse and Science Verse, the two separate ones. Yes. Um, Lane Smith, just love the illustrations that Lane Smith does mm. on anything. Yes. Um, but paired that with John... I think we say. Yes. Um, Maths Curse was the one I found first. And you can really, I mean, you could read that with a lot of 
different age levels, but for upper primary students, they actually get the references of the mathematical problems and the this character that um, their teacher basically curses them by saying, you can think of anything as a math problem. And the whole day then flows of this student going through this classroom day and everything that comes into it has maths involved and the kid thinks they're going crazy. Um, students get it because they can see all of the situations that the character goes through. They know about uh, binary numbers or fractional quantities. or <laughs> it, it happens all the time and it's it becomes so funny to see that with the eyes of the student who actually gets what's going on um, rather than just enjoys an entertaining story, but they actually go, oh, yeah, that would be funny if you had to count like this or you had to divide cupcakes. And, and then the way it's all neatly resolved at the end, um, you know, you get a few giggles and you think, oh, good, like you actually got the story. And um, and that really is a story that works for older students and it is such a magic pairing of an author and an illustrator that bring both elements mm. to make that entertaining. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we are just – it's such a rich – um, so many rich partnerships and so many, you know, between authors and illustrators and then so many of these incredible author-illustrator, mm. you know, singular ones yes. as well. And it is – and, of course, you know, it's such a nice way for students to enter into and explore that world of picture books yes. through yes. authors and especially – you know, like these are sophisticated illustrators. These, this is, this is real art here. And so, our yeah. older um, readers, you know, a lot of, a lot of the artwork really is, you know, is appealing to their, you know, just to how much they can gain from um, the nuances of um, characters or um, of information. You know, all the quirks and interesting things that. Um, only older students are going to be able to really pick up as well. Yes. yes. So, yeah. Yes. A bit like Anthony Brown is another one yes. that, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, do you want to lead? I think we were talking about um, tantalising text in the sense of just bringing a book that has uh, joy or a moment in time to, to do. But I also do use picture books that lead into um, – Tasks that are authentic to what the students need to be thinking about or working on from a developmental, you know, curriculum-wise or, or whatever yes. sort of sense. And so a picture book can be a really nice way to do that too. Rich, like really rich language experience, but um, it's not just me teaching it. Mm. We introduce it with a book. Yes. And I think that's really lovely. I know um, you had spoken with... Uh, Alison before about Mechanica and the work that her students did following the reading of that book and mm. you think about examples like that that um, the picture book's really driving what that is and yes. um, yeah. the work kind of it's flowing out of students afterwards and that's that's fantastic when that kind of happens. We um, had that a couple I haven't done this one for a while but Little Mouse's Book of Fears by Emily Graver who's just phenomenal illustrator anyway um we were talking about language and it was part of sort of the spelling work and looking at um prefixes and suffixes uh, greek and latin roots all of those kind of things and so little mouse's book of fears is a list of phobias the illustrations are really telling the story more so than the text which is quite minimal but 
the illustrations are funny as they um, build your understanding of what each phobia is. And this mouse that's going through the book, reading each phobia and then just freaking out even further about them all. <laughs> and that led on to this whole exploration of the students into what are other interesting phobias and the one about the fear of 13 and the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth and all the, <laughs> you know, there's just this phenomenal list of phobias. There's, hun- that, there's hundreds, isn't there? Oh, there is. Yeah. And so many that I didn't know. And there was also brought in that, you know, scepticism of, is that really a thing? <laughs> <laughs> really? Someone's got a phobia about that and now yeah. there's a word for it? But just... It became such a rich thing for students to do. Mm. If I had said, okay, we're going to look up strange phobias, yeah, they might have got on board because some of them are funny and interesting. But by doing it with a book, it kind of, it had had introduced it to them Mm. in a a way that was more entertaining than me just talking in front of the class Mm. because there was a character and the pictures are telling, you know, an amusing story as it goes along. And that led them to go, oh, I didn't know about that one. I want to know about more. Excellent. Good. Let's go. And and there it just brings it back to the core of what, you know, in writers write, they are opening doors for us to learn more about the world and ourselves and others. You know, and that that opening that door and that's what we just have to do by bringing the book. It opens the door. So, you know, even if if we're bringing it thinking, oh, we could – you know, in our minds, we could move into phobias in this instance. But nine times out of ten, we don't have to say a thing, do we? We just yes. let the book do the work and they're away with it. Yes. So, and that, yeah. that's so true. And I think that opening the door, um, I knew I needed to um, really give a, a good coverage of poetry. I hadn't done it um hadn't really covered it very well and I needed to really get that into the kids. Um, I felt like it had been lacking, really, that we hadn't had a lot of poetry exposure. So I started with The Highway Rat by Julia Donaldson and, again, a whole bunch were like, Julia Donaldson? I read her when I was in junior primary. What are you doing? (laughs) That's our buddy book. And I'm like, no, 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 this one's really funny. And so I'd read it or we'd watch the, um, the animation, which is brilliant and great voice actors in that. And then I said, did you realise that it follows the, the pattern from a very famous poem called The Highwayman, Alfred Noyes? And they were like, what? <laughs> and so then I bought the picture book version that has the phenomenal illustrations by Charles Keeping yes. and read that one to them. And, of course, it's much darker and yeah. it's much more uh, a very different story, really, to The Highway Rat. But because of that rhythm that comes through and the just the skill of poetry of both mm. uh, authors in this case, the students were hooked. And we had students who kept coming back to the highwayman going, this is an amazing story. And I went, I know, and that's called a ballad. Let's follow this. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Now we're into poetry. Um, but just it was an amazing moment to, to hook them in with perhaps some of that uh, dismissal of we're watching junior primary things again and me going, no, no, you'll see. And, mm. I mean, I would never dismiss Julie Donaldson. I think she's amazing. I, we're in awe of someone who can rhyme like that. I just mm. tell an amazing story. Yes, so, without it feeling contrived. Oh, you know, it's, yes, yes, just amazing. It's I love reading them aloud. I have two young kids and it's just a favourite to read any of hers aloud. Um, with Axel Scheffler's hilarious illustrations to follow. Um, They're just beautiful to read aloud and they have such a a rhythm to them that's amazing. And so to be able to do that to students and remind them that that's a joy of reading poetry is how it sounds, 
Um, and any poetry told, you know, with a book to give you some visual um, prompts as well. And then the link to the Hilo Band, and it was it was fantastic. So then we had them, a whole bunch of students that wanted to search up other kind of gothic era of um, ballad poetry and all the yes. dark ones, and yeah. it was just, you know, Lady of Shalott comes out, and yes. I'm like, oh, that's it. My little Anne with an E heart is, yeah, fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you've made that, you know, just brought the poetry aspect to us again um, on that one because we've, you know, we've had a bit of a push on um, poetry mm. because poetry just brings us, you know, so much again. And, and I love the way that um, you've offered the um, really an entree into the highway man. Through the highway rat, yes, because that <laughs> that whole notion of, um, you know, what sits upon our ear as we hear yeah. poetry, and yeah. what we can then do with that, you know, that we can take when it's when we've had such rich experiences with it, we go, I know that rhythm, I recognise it, I yeah. recognise how that works, that then. We own that then. We can use that, you know, as and, – and whether that's the task that was planned for that or not, it, it won't matter. The fact that, you know, we learn from the company we keep, that what yes. sits on our mm-hmm. ear we then take with us into other, um, you know, other things that we write or we think about or know that we can express in particular ways. Yeah, and I think that's really true – for our um, upper primary and into lower secondary students who are are really starting those um, those real independent thoughts about where well, how do I see the world um, what do I what do I take into the world with the knowledge that I have and the experiences I have and um, the influences that are on me what are what are the ways that I view things and I think you can have some amazing conversations with a novel that um, teases out a character's decision-making and a, a character's perspectives, but sometimes that's going to take too long to get to a point on something or some students um, may still struggle to access the points that are coming through that text. So a picture book just has such a place for... Um, shifting thinking I think and to making an impact um, for a student and so yeah there's quite a lot of picture books that I use um, quite intentionally for uh, just shifting a bit of thought I think for some of my students or um, that I know fits where they are at uh, in their in their life in their thinking Mm. there'll be picture books that I'm hoping will um, hit the mark for them or we'll get them going, oh, I haven't thought about that before. Yeah. And and the book's over. I've got I've got thinking to do here. I I'm just left. I, I need to I need to wrestle with this. I need to uh, uh, is there another book? Is there more? <laughs> um that's that's really powerful and I think because picture books can be a quick read, they're not an easy read necessarily for no. some of our students. And I think um yeah, I think I think there's so much power in that. I think it's fantastic. Mm. Mm. Love love the messages there, Giselle, because it's the um, it is that power that that we don't you know that we can leave to um, the author, but 
we can also be, and you talked about this, you know, in motivating readers too, we can be quite intentional in thinking, I've noticed in my, I know, I've noticed my children could do with or my students could benefit from this book and its exploration of X. <clears throat> yes. You know, and that we can, without it being, you know, okay, now we'll have a, you know, a lesson on blah or on X, but what the book allows students to do the thinking through that in, I think, a much more sophisticated and personal way. Yeah. Because it's, it can be personal because it's also one step removed from them through a book. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, do you know the um, picture book Room on Our Rock? Kate yes. Temple and Kate Temple. Oh, oh that's an extraordinary book. It just talk, talk some more about that one because, um, yeah. To read it uh, aloud, I think, is also where it makes an impact. And so um, it, it, on the surface, it's the story of um, some seals who appear to be uh, lost or at danger at sea and they're looking for a safe place to land. And as you read the story the first way through, um, if you do it out loud, you should, as a teacher, pre-read it because then you'll get what you need to do for an out loud read. Um, but you read it the first time through in a very um, uh, almost aggressive, negative um confrontational kind of manner that there's no room on our rock and you're not welcome and you cannot come and it's very much uh, um, there's no space for you here the rock is absolutely full of space but the ones who are on it are not letting anyone on and then you get to the end of the book and it asks you to see that there's two sides to a story so now read this story backwards and you read it backwards and the cleverness of the authors have placed the phrasing of the words that when you read it in reverse, it's so much more positive and it's welcoming and it's wow. there's an acceptance. You are different. Of course you are welcome. I can see you're in trouble. Please come on to our rock. Oh, how clever. And so mm. you read it with that negative tone. You get to that last point. You pause so the students can sink in what you're talking about. There's two sides to a story. And then you read it again with a real positive tone and you just watch the student faces go, oh, oh, my goodness. And then you end the whole book with, so what's that an analogy for? And the student's going, that's humans. That's human life. And we're like, thank you. Yes, yes, it is. Yep. <laughs> and it's just, it's amazing. And it is a, it's a picture book. It's very simple. On the surface, it looks like a book that's got lovely seals. It's, you mm. know, beautiful illustrations. Great for our junior students. Yes, it is, because it's a great story for everybody. It's yes. such a message. And for my older students who can see it coming from the minute you start that reverse read um, and they can see what you're doing with your voice, they just pick it up so quickly of, well, most of them do, <laughs> of, of what's going on and how clever that is to have the, the phrasing that could be read in either direction to change the tone of what the, of what the message is, is. It's a phenomenal story. And, yeah, um, Yeah, for students to actually see that and then question that and, and see that analogy of what that means in a, in a real-world sense, um, just brilliant. Mm. Just a brilliant book I for think that. It, it is extraordinary. And there's actually – I've had um, – come across a number of students who've read it who actually haven't, you know, just by picking it up themselves, haven't 
fully understood ah. what's going on there because I think what you've just said and you know the importance of reading aloud picture books for older readers is really their key into what picture books the sophistication the picture books for older readers requires you know yeah. there is there is much more it's a it's a slow read it's not you're not racing through this to you know and i'm done with the book yeah. these are thoughtful books these are yeah. books that make us they take us into if we marry it with the thinking that the you know the slow read sort of affords us that we're going to get completely extraordinary things from these books so and that's i think a really great example um of of one of those books that like you say on the surface looks like it may be you know a junior primary kind of book um but it's it's in the reading like how do we read these books and i think that's that's the um it's the wondrous thing about picture books is that they're there to be read carefully and yes. and with and reading that whole page and really exploring everything that the page offers rather than and done read my 32 pages yes. <laughs> what next yes. Mm. yes that's right and that's where i think that it links so much or how i see so much of using picture books as those timeless teas with the thinkers talking because you're right that a student possibly reading it on their own, if they get that they're supposed to read it backwards without some of the rhythm or the tone, may not mm. realise what actually has shifted in that story. And when you do that story and you've done it out loud and then the, the students are just full of conversation about, I think it's this and don't mm. you think it was amazing when this was happening? And, and that's that powerful talking about what they've been reading or in this case listening to and and what they think about that and, and what does that make them wonder. We, I mean, I had that years ago now with The Rabbits of John Marsden yes. and Sean Tan. I, would, I just adore anything Sean Tan will draw. Yeah. I would, you know, I watch him draw on a scrap of paper. Like, it's yeah. just, just <laughs> phenomenal. Um, and reading that to students or having students look through that, that... Um, the story itself looks like the, um, you know, the, the feral invasion of rabbits onto Australia's landscape and what that means environmentally. But when those rabbits are in military uniforms and you see that playing out across Sean Tan's images and for students to actually have that conversation going, oh, I think there's another story in there. Is that about, like, Australia, invasion of Australia and you go do you think it's about invasion of Australia and watch them unpacking what happened in those images and what the words are saying alongside that that I couldn't teach that from just literally teaching it with the same impact that someone with that incredible artistry and John Marsden's great use of words those two people together tell that in a way that's so much it makes so much better impact than me just introducing it as a concept and students can appreciate older students can appreciate how clever that is the art that's within the the illustrations um and the double layer of story that's going on in that one and then they want to talk about it and they want to know 
more about how you how you represent things like that and how how do you write like this and how do you tell such a big piece of history in in your thirty two pages mm, mm. yeah that's that I totally agree with you know the insights that um certain well that pairing too John Marsden and Sean Tan you know they've done a few successful Gary crew and Sean Tan yes. but it's you know the it's the insights from both the author and the illustrator there where it's that, like we sort of talk about that slow read, but then, you know, the, the slow thinking that we can do about that and the thinking we can do for ourselves. Yes. It's, it's really... I think, yeah, it's just, it's amazing to watch that happen for students. I think mm. when, um, uh, I'll, I'll speak very much about sort of the, students that I've had in the last few years in that there's a lot of viewing of things. There's a lot of things being presented to me. Mm-hmm. But when you have a picture book, there's it's not always necessarily obvious. Sometimes it is obvious, but it's not always obvious. You are reading the pictures and you are mm-hmm. reading the story or you are hearing the story by someone who has um, spent some time to kind of craft the presentation they're going to give of this story. And that involves thinking and that involves students actually engaging in to say, go on here, rather than just a um, necessarily a surface level of it. And I think picking a picture book that can help students to do that thinking, picking um, and it, all the way back at the start, it may be just sheerly, sheer enjoyment of the book. It may not actually have... You know, you picked it deliberately for a curriculum link or something. Yes. But for students to to have that time to get into deep thinking and to reflect on what's happening and what was the storyteller, the author trying to convey to me, what do I already know about this? What do I need to know to get this story on another level? Um, what What other information do I need or... Who is this story true for? How did I not know about this? Those those kind of questions that can come through from from having a picture book um, bring it to students in a very quick but not read quick. <laughs> yes, in a in a in a snapshot of time. Yes, yes, and how you talk about you know that there can be that they can shift their perspectives and understanding from that yes. they get to make the shift not yeah. just be told about it, you know, that they that a shift can be made through their own thinking process. Yeah. It, uh, there's a connection with poetry here where it, uh, picture books are similar, that they draw, focus your thinking in, in a quicker way on a particular thing yeah. and also both are much better read aloud, poetry and, it, poetry yeah. and picture books. So and it's there's, a very... Yeah, there's a connection there. There really yeah. is. There's yeah. some very deliberate choices by authors about the words you put in a picture book because mm. if you have too much text on the page, no one's going to know to see illustrations and there's maybe no longer a picture book. So yeah. there's some very there's some very intentional um, decisions by authors to get the exact words that are going to build that impact or mm. make mm. make a scene on that page, yeah. um, which is exactly what a poet does, to pick the words that... Yeah. Um, often very succinctly hit us the hardest. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I absolutely agree that there's some real decisions about the craft of these texts 
that it's so worth exploring with students about that because you could be quite um, effusive and using lots and lots of wonderful vocabulary and wonderful words, but but that's a longer text. That's a a Mm. whole other story. So, um, yeah, there's... It's really, really powerful to get students looking at look at the words chosen to to make that sentence on that page, or mm. or as you said in that poem. Yes, and how they're even placed on the page, and yes. the, the use of um, you know all those literary devices. You know, they're much more um, intentional again. Yes. Now, Giselle, just with your thinkers talking, one talk. Talk to us you've, um, just a few more. So you've talked about Room on Our Rock and the Rabbits. Um, some of your others that I know that you've got here, uh, some of them are um, more unfamiliar, well, to me. So, oh, sure. Yes, I'd be interested um, in a few more of those. <laughs> well, two that I'm raving about to anyone who will listen at the yep. moment. We're listening. Because um, I, have, I haven't actually introduced to my students this year. Yeah. Uh, well, one of them only came out last month. But um, are the two books by um, Matt Della Pena and illustrated by Christian Robinson, um, The Last Stop on Market Street and Milo Imagines the World. That's the newer one. Yeah. Um, they are very different world to what many of my students would be living. And so the last stop on Market Street, um, a young boy in a, a, a very urban city, we would think, um, very, sorry, urban environment, um, needs to catch the bus home with grandma. And we get the impression that he possibly lives with grandma. Um, and he questions along the way, why, why do we catch the bus? Why don't we have a car? Why do we always travel this way? Why don't we do? And so it's very much about him observing from the bus um, and on the bus, who are these people? What do they do? Bringing in those sights and sounds and experiences of what it means to travel on a bus um, through a city space. And we get to the end of the book and um, it's... It's a hard neighbourhood that they get off on and um, part of your thinking, if you've been led down a particular path as a a reader, is to think that perhaps they live in this neighbourhood and, you know, you have a few judgments and things that can come in there and and it's worth unpacking that with students because when the final pages are revealed of why they're in the neighbourhood and why they took the bus there that day, I don't know, I'm probably an emotional reader, but my heart goes, oh, oh, that's amazing. And then you see, like, Grandma's messages the whole way through the story of what they were doing, why they were on the bus, and what he can take from that bus experience is so, it's just moving. And for students to go, oh, oh, I, I, I kind of judge this way. Actually, this is what they were doing. And um, the second book, Milo Imagines the World, perhaps even more powerful for that, that um, Milo is on um, public transport and he is with his sister who's on her phone so she's not really paying attention to him and he notices the people that get on the subway and um, at a couple of pages, every two or three pages, uh, Milo draws in his book so you get to see the sketch and he has imagined that the boy sitting opposite him who's got very fine hair and is dressed in a suit lives in a mansion and he has a butler and uh, here are the people who come and, and serve him all day long. So he makes these, they're not harsh judgments, but he makes judgments of the people he sees on the bus and then has a little imagining of what they would be doing. Mm. 
You get to the end of the story when Milo gets off the subway with his sister and so does the boy in the suit and he starts to unravel, oh, actually you can't judge someone by their face. You don't know what they're going through. And when the final page opens and you see where Milo has travelled with his sister and the other boy actually happens to be needing to go to that same space and, again, that reveal is just, oh, oh, wow, okay. And for many of my students, they... I don't know if they've ever had that experience, but it's such an eye-opening story and it's all told with delicate language and incredible illustrations by Christian Robinson. Um, there's actually an online reading of Christian Robinson reading um, Last Stop on Market Street and hearing his accent and that very um, a very urban accent come through to read it it's just amazing and, again, probably even more powerful than me reading the book to the students. But it's those kind of stories that we want to be bringing to our kids that take them into another place and another person's shoes and going, this is what life is like for some people. This is the experiences they have. And for our students, potentially, who've, you know, maybe passed a bit of a judgment at the start of those short-page book going and having that flip at the end, that shift of their thinking going, oh, well, that's what was happening and and really starting to question for themselves. That That's amazing storytelling and I am very glad to be able to bring books like that to to the to our students. So. Especially good for older readers, isn't it? The yes, older very students much. To get, get them very into much. other people's worlds. Yep. Yep. Yep, yeah, very much. All that empathy building. Yeah. Yeah, well, that yes. empathy is a really key word there. Where's Landia, um, Paul Flashman and Kevin Hawkes? Um, a little bit of an older book now, um, but Where's Landia is absolutely about empathy because mm. Wes is the outcast at school. Um, he doesn't fit in. He doesn't have a cool haircut. He doesn't like playing soccer. He doesn't He doesn't fit with everybody. And he's the off, offside on the image. Mum and Dad are talking about what are we going to do with him? What? Do we, how do we help? And then uh, set in a kind of um, American suburb, sort of. So he has a summer project and he decides he's going to um, start his own civilization. And so he gets a seed and the seed goes into this tree and he uses the plant to make clothing, to make food, to make accounting system, to make uh, insect repellent. And one by one, the neighborhood tormentors realize that he's onto something because his life is so much easier and He's not trying to fit a mould. He's worked out. Well, this is what I. Well, this is what I can do, and I'm okay with that. And so it's you know it's a fairly simple read of it, I suppose. But the conversations that that thinker talking that can come from it at the end, going, have you ever felt like that? And what does it mean to fit in? And when should we go our own way? And how do we how do we show that we can make an impact with what we have to offer? Is just from from one simple book, it's, it can open just a, a, an absolute treasure trove of, of conversation and, and thinking. Because reading is thinking, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, it's thinking, all about and, thinking. Yeah. yeah. And but the talking, of course, is just so… Opens up that thinking. Yeah. You know, because then, you know, it's just especially as you're talking about Westlandia, I, I remember reading that and thinking, all right, that… There's definitely, it's all about empathy, but at that point I sort of, I remember thinking also, it's also for some people, it's then about feeling understood. Yes. So, yes. 
you know, we, we're all looking to understand more about ourselves, yeah. our world and others. And so we don't always know what that's going to bring to us. But I think you're absolutely right that our perspectives, books change our perspectives and understandings. And, yeah. and that conversation, thinkers really thinking deeply and having that opportunity to explore those thoughts with peers you know, with um, yeah. and through and almost with an author <laughs> and an illustrator, that's you're really having that sort of conversation with them as well. Yes. And there's, um, there's a lot of picture books, particularly ones that are, are bringing up thoughtful topics as part of their, their text. Mm. A lot of them will have author notes of an illustrator notes at the back of, of why they wrote it or, or what they were hoping to do with the story. And that's amazing yeah. for students to get into that. You know, once they've sat with a book for a little while, we've had a, a even a moment of quiet at the end of a book and gone, mm. you know, we're just going to we're gonna rest with that for a minute. We're not actually going to talk about it. Just sink that in and then give them that chance or, or read out to them of um, the author notes of, of what they were doing. And that, that just adds a whole other layer for students to see uh, I know it sounds funny, but this a real person wrote this book. <laughs> this yeah. is what the real person was thinking about. What did we think when we read it and, and how did we get into it? Um, the Proudest Blue, that's a, a fairly new one in the last year, um, Ibadaj Muhammad and SK Ali, about a girl um, wearing the hijab for the first time mm-hmm. to school um, on reaching... Uh, a certain age in into sixth grade, actually, and she decides that um, she's going to wear her hijab in the proudest blue, and it's the blue of the oceans. And she's okay with that, and and she knows that there's going to be some difference. But it's the story is told from the younger sister who's really struggling with, loves it, is so proud that her sister is wearing this, but is really struggling with. But people tease her, and people is is she ashamed? Is she embarrassed? Um, why am I whispering? about my sister wearing this now. And and she goes back to her sister um, in the schoolyard to say sort of, are you okay? And there are some characters who are calling names or teasing about the fact that she's wearing this now. And the little sister's really struggling with it, but the older girl is, no, I'm proud. I'm okay. I'm fine. I have friends and I, I have this and this is important to me. And I think we haven't seen a story like that much. It's often the main character who makes a change and is then questioning about their change. But in this case, the character is proud about it the whole way through. It's the younger sister who who needs reassurance and understanding. And so there's all layers about that in there as well as, you know, that um, understanding of other religions. And, and then the author notes and the illustrator notes at the end just, take it to another level and that that's a phenomenal book um that would be would be lovely for lots of ages to read because the language in it is beautiful about the blue of the oceans and the waves and it's the fact that it's called the proud blue the whole Mm. way through but for older students who really can understand the context of what's going on in this story and for these characters um that's an amazing story and told in in Again, I say it, it's a simple way, but it's a it's that short version of a picture book, but such a powerful story to then consider and to talk about how we how we show that um, understanding of of other humans and, mm. and, and society. So yeah, books like that. Yeah. <laughs> books and like you that. know, Giselle, I've just made this 
connection to discussions that we were having at the school today where when you were talking about, um, you know, the author notes, you know, saying why they wrote, you know, what, what they were trying to do with this story, that sometimes I think that's the question we forget to ask our children or our students mm-hmm. when they're writing about what were you trying what were you trying to do in this story? Because mm. sometimes that our students have got these incredible, you know, it's not just about writing, I've got to write it in this structure, but it's yes. actually I've got a story about this yes. that I'm trying to yes. communicate. And, and so I think when students, when we ask them the question, what were you trying to do in this story, not in an accusatory kind of way yes. but yes. as writer what what was the message what is this story about what were what are you wanting to convey here yes you know I think and that's I, I think we sometimes just lose that aspect to the right I agree know. because I also think with an upper primary student we we get caught up in the focus that particularly with narrative you need to really craft a story and you're going to need a lot of words for that. So you're mm. going to need to build this out into a... Yeah. <laughs> and perhaps there's a little bit of that standardised testing floating <laughs> around in there where I think about the things that might need to come through in a story. Yeah. A picture book is a story and mm. you might actually be writing a short story for that reason. And I, yes. I think I would quite honestly say mm. I forget that and I get caught up in that oh, we're trying to develop some stamina, we're trying to develop some longer writing skills. Yes, we are. But maybe sometimes I need to remind my students that they can write a short story that is could lend itself to a picture book story yeah. because the words you've chosen and the story that's you know in your heart that you need to tell mm. is actually maybe better told as a picture book length yes. story. Yes, yes, yeah. And sometimes as a poem. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As well, uh, a poem within a picture book. Yeah. 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 Um, fantastic. <laughs> well, fantastic seems so <laughs> so um, inadequate. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> yeah. I say that about everything with literacy, don't I? But oh my goodness, yeah. like. Um, well, I was talking. I was laughing about that with someone today because um, looking at. Finding Our Heart, um, Thomas Mayer and Black Douglas, um, we've been considering about Reconciliation Week. And um, I think that message of the Uluru Statement can be told as the whole to our upper primary students, but this picture book just snaps right into what it is. It's the heart of this message. And um, it was such a good... Many of my students hadn't actually seen it. And so although we... We had talked about the Uluru Statement um, from the heart and the the lead-up to that particular treaty. Um, for the students to see it replicated in a picture book and go, oh, oh, that's a really good way to tell it. Like, it's, it's sure, it's exactly it. And I'm going, yes. <laughs> Everyone needs to read this book to yes. start that conversation of what comes next. And, um, yeah, it was just we were just having a chat and could keep going, really, to, <laughs> talking about this one book. Um you know, that prompts a thousand conversations. So. Yes. Yeah. Thinkers truly talking and yes. truly thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, welcome, now, welcome to country. Did we... oh. oh, my goodness. We... Welcome to country. Yes. Oh, I just, 
the first time I saw that book was in a bookshop in Adelaide that, Sharon, you found me on the floor sitting down reading before. Um, the first time I saw it, I just went, where has this book been? Yes. Why? Everyone, every classroom, every school needs this book as a beginning point to thinking about welcome to country, but acknowledgement of country. How do we express that that gratitude to, um, you know, the Aboriginal um, caretakers of this land and so uh, I just love it I'm not amazing at the pronunciation of the words but I love doing it in front of my students to show them why it matters yes. um, we actually have a big book copy of that book in our school so I literally bring the big book copy into an upper primary classroom because I want them to really immerse themselves in that in that message and See those words on the page, see them in and amongst those amazing illustrations and feel what it means to be a welcome to country that perhaps um, you know is something that happens at the start of your school assembly, but you don't really get the essence of why it matters. And so I just love that book. I think it's amazing and everyone, everyone should have that book as a classroom book. Auntie Joy Murphy and Lisa Kennedy. Yes. um, For that one. And Giselle, do you think that that book really had, you know, was that a book that prompted um, your, was it last year or the year before, your class making um, yes. or writing their own yes, acknowledgement. It's it's all tied in there together in that I hadn't searched out a book to do this. Um, we had been talking about what it means to have an acknowledgement of country and why that matters and talking with our um, Aboriginal Community Education Officer at the school about that as well. Um, I'd been to lots of different training events and each time a different video was being shown at the beginning. So it all sort of happened for me in a whole bunch, a couple of months that I was seeing a lot of videos that had been produced that showed different acknowledgements to country from all around Australia. We were thinking about it from a school perspective of what we were doing in classrooms and in assembly. And then I saw this book and it all just, it was, it was that moment in time that it all hit together. And so I brought the book to the students and we had the big book version. So that's the main way that I showed them. But it also exists as a hardcover and a paperback and a board book. So there's, it's for everybody. Yes. <laughs> there's all versions of the that's same book. That's how important it is. Oh, yes. so much. Yep. And so I brought that in to read with the students. We, we took a walk um, here in the hills around Paramount land. So we took a walk and we talked about what that meant to be on country and and really immerse the students in it from listening to people, viewing produced ones that were either welcomes from um, people for who it was their voice or acknowledgements of groups who wanted to make a statement and then had the students really craft what one could be. So they're taking phrases and words from um, other acknowledgements or putting in words that they thought they needed to say and yes, that's in the end, how my class ended up writing their own acknowledgement of country that mean, meant something personal um, and and genuine whenever it was said from my students um, at some kind of event. So, and yes. all and all tied in with a book that told it much better than I could because it's it's a real authentic voice talking about why it mattered, and that's I can support it, but I. 
I don't have that deep um, connection of I can understand why it's important, but it it I can't speak about it authentically. I needed someone's voice to do that for me, and that book is amazing for that. Yes, yes, it it truly is, and it's hasn't it been wonderful that um, your students' voice you know, from their learning and understanding in response to the, or their thinking and talking about that book has, you know, has been shared with, I mean, we've used that at workshops that we've run, you know, it's just been yes. <laughs> so, I just think that's, it's of such significance that your students have, you know, their, um, you know, their uh, 12 and 13 year old voices of yes. their understanding of that can, um, int- you know, can be the acknowledgement for the adults in the yes. room at functions. Yes. I think that's, yeah, it's yeah. very powerful. I and I think it really is because that, you know, that's why we're teaching. It's these generations that are coming through that are going to make the changes, that are going to make decisions, that are going to make policies going forward. It's, it's all about... Um, bringing voices to them so that they can get those perspectives and start thinking about, well, how do I feel about this and where do I sit? And are there injustices that I could be doing something about with the power of my words? And so um, it, it links that, that um, you know, reading like a writer and writing like a reader that we've talked about, yeah. that um, bringing books that will give more voice than just mine um, for them to see those perspectives, to ponder those perspectives and to start making decisions and changes as they step forward into the world. Mm. We might... Um, We're in good hands, Giselle. We're <laughs> in, in the hands of books. Yes. And and in bringing those to students. Our students are in excellent hands when that's, that's part of their everyday experience. Yes, books for every day. That's yeah. right. Thanks, guys. We might wrap it up there, but um, thanks, Giselle, for connecting to tantalising texts, to true tasks, to – I don't know if we got onto transformative teaching. You know, that's kind of the mini, mini lesson Another side. Another podcast. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was kind of hinted at around what we were talking about transforming the way um, we do things. But yes, we didn't actually use that language. So no, yeah. <laughs> but another time. And Thinkers Talking, um, definitely we talked a lot about that and uh, I'm not sure we covered all your books, but they're all in the show notes. And uh, you've also got a list here of picture books from another list uh, picture books for read aloud texts that's a really great list as well we'll put that in the show notes as well oh sure yeah just ones that I've used um, with other classes or my own class or talking about with um, other upper primary staff about books that sort of fit something they might be doing or fit where their students are at so it might be a list helpful to others yeah Yeah. I know how helpful it will be Giselle because not (laughs) all schools have um someone in their own school that they can ask about which yeah. books and mm. where yeah. can I find and and so building um, building some lists and building some, you know, having people and classroom teachers talking about books they've used um, at the different year levels is so enriching for yeah. us all and thank you for your generosity in mm. talking about the books 
and oh. in and no, like it was a trial, wasn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> never for generosity. It's more about we should get to stop talking so like really cut yeah. her off. <laughs> the other the other timeless too I'm trying to bring into the podcast, but I'm not very successful is together. And uh, but reading a picture book is all about oh, having your kids together, oh, isn't it? Really, it That's, really, really yes. is. I yeah. have so much. I'll, I'll be quick, but I have so much time that my students spend doing their independent reading, mm. and I do ask them at the end, "What are you reading? Is it good?" But there is a disconnect because they're so in it they don't really want to be interrupted often. Mm, mm. Um, the picture book is absolutely that shared experience, particularly yeah. read aloud or someone's read it, they bring it over to me and I go, oh, yes, look, let's read it again together yeah. because mm. it's short enough to do that. It absolutely is the together. We should have, you know, had that as the heading across the whole. <laughs> yeah, the yeah whole it, goes, it goes through everything. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. yeah. And yep. the other, Community. The other um, thing I'd like to mention is um, – uh, an author who and illustrator who started um, or um, changed the way we looked at picture books entirely uh, passed away in May. Um, Eric Carl, um, who wrote one of his yeah. books, was the very hungry caterpillar. But just wanted to mention that because he was like the father of the huge changes yeah. in all these um, amazing directions that we're taking in picture books mm-hmm. and how we're using them in the classroom. So thank you, Eric. We, uh, um we have an audio book of him, his voice, reading The Hungry Caterpillar. Yes. It's a bit emotional the last week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. My, my yes. Well, your have, children would. Oh. Yeah. I mean, we've always read the book with them and, and Brown Bear, Brown Bear with the illustrations, of course, and, mm. um, and many of the others. But to have his voice actually read that as an audio book is just lovely. And he's got some funny inflections and things because of his accent. And so it's just beautiful. He's got a lovely, warm voice. But I haven't had to listen to it the last week. It's a bit, um, yeah, it's it's such a loss to our world of what he brought yes. to picture books and, and, I, and yes. our love of books. And I love the wording. Um, I think it's from the museum that... Um, in Amshurst in that, um, New York. Wrote no, this. Massachusetts. In the, in the light of the moon, holding on to a good star, a painter of rainbows is now travelling across the night sky. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? That is yeah. just, it sums it up, doesn't it? Yes. It's just, yeah. just yeah. amazing. Yeah. And thank you, Giselle, uh, for all those wonderful insights. It's just uh, helped teachers uh, so much in uh, being able to use more and more picture books in the classroom in upper primary. But, you know, we're going to have to do a, a younger years soon, I think, too. Yes, <laughs> but, I, but I know the, the other one that we didn't touch on or the other area we didn't touch on today, which we – which is definitely the next podcast, Giselle, and that's the informational books. <gasps> yes. <laughs> There's that's another one. one you love. The last sort of year, that's what all my purchasing has been yes. about. There's just this flood of amazing books yes. coming out. So, yeah, sign me up for that. Yes, yep, <laughs> yes, that, that's next. Yes. We'll do that one very soon because that's <laughs> a um, – no, that's a magnificent um, – like you said, it's a it's a totally blossoming area, um, you know, this new wave really of um, almost hybrid texts too. Yes. You know that, yeah, yes. and and a new way for us to think beyond information reports. Yes. <laughs> Look, guys, I'm never going to wrap this up, but I'm going to try. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Giselle, and thank you, Sharon, and. 
Um, look forward to another podcast next week and uh, bye for now, everyone. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye, Giselle. Bye, Giselle. listening to the podcast to make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player at q learning our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions we equip empower and support teachers to become their authentic selves to find out about upcoming webinars and about how q can help you and your school visit qlearning.com.au And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.